Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Get in the Hole podcast. Steve McAvoy, Jake Diphold, new co-host alert, coming on in to the show. We're sponsored today and every day by PHI Power Company. PHI Power Co. provides the unique designs of high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philadelphia. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you will stand out in the crowd. Go to use, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your next order Order, geez, at PHI Apparel Co., phiapparel.co again phiapparel.co once again steve jake we call him dip now jake diphole that in, in literally the first five minutes of the show we probably finally uh have figured out a nickname for you jake welcome into the show welcome in as the newest uh addition to my i guess like like, like right hand man at this point or like left hand man wherever you want <laughs> left hand man because you kind of show up, show up on the left side of my screen how are you welcome in what's going on steve good to be here glad to be here Super pumped to be with Underground Philly and just, you know, ready to talk golf, ready to talk with you. Get it going. You know, it's uh, it's great having somebody on now who um, follows the game of golf as, as much as you do, because uh, in the years past, my, my friend John and I founded the show. He wound up getting a, a, a PGA job um, doing ground, uh, not, not, not like ground, even, but like um, working the clubhouse uh, okay. at Hampton Golf Club all the way in the Hamptons, like right by like Shinnecock and uh, and national and all those courses. So he w- wound up getting swamped. We had a pro golfer on Ben Piero, one of our friends who came on and subbed in for him, wanted to get into the podcasting realm. Well, of course, he's now a pro golfer and doesn't really have time for me. So it was nice to, uh, it was nice when KB was on. It was good to have another hand, but uh, it's, it's a little different when you have someone who actually knows the game of golf and follows it as much as you do. You, um, to give everyone a kind of an idea uh, of who you are before we start in, uh, former college athlete, uh, played baseball, and of course made the transition to golf because what else is freaking new? Uh, from yeah. every washed-up uh, baseball player, hockey player on the planet, we all start. We all wind up somewhere in the game of golf, whether or not you're 13 or 30. Uh, in my case, I was 13. But <laughs> uh, you also now run your own uh, TikTok and social media account, Pitch and Chips. Tell us a little bit about how it started and how you started to get into uh, the social media game. For sure, yeah. So I. I kind of always grew up making videos. I always tried to make video and write paper in school. You know, like I was that kid that was like, can I please just make like a video about what we're doing instead of writing a paper? So I was kind of always inclined to do that. Majored in film and digital media in undergrad. So I got a little bit of a background there. Um, And then after baseball ended and kind of within my senior year, I just TikTok kind of blew up and I was like, I can do that. Doesn't look like it's too crazy hard which, and it is crazy hard. TikTok is wild and it's, it's so hard to understand it in the algorithm, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But so I danced around with a couple different ideas. I went into like this golfing lawyer idea thing. Cause I, I am in law school now, but that didn't really hit. Um, and then pitch and chips came about and it was just all about like being that former college athlete, former high school athlete, former player that now plays golf and golf is the hardest game literally in the entire world like you're like yeah i'm done i'm finally done getting pissed off at sports i'm done being mad about sports and then you start playing golf and literally every single hole i'm getting pissed like i can hit the ball hard and far but aside from that i'm not really doing much on the golf course so i try to kind of frame those ideas in my blog frame frame those ideas in my tiktoks and just kind of bring that community together you know yeah no sorry a, a, a recent video which has basically been the uh, story of my life this winter. I haven't played golf in. I haven't had a ball prior to 
last week in probably two months. Uh, I moved mm. into an apartment in August, started a new job in, well, started, started a job in May, which kind of de- almost derailed my golf season to a degree because mm. I was so caught up in the first few months of like orientation and everything. So I didn't really golf very much in the summer. I got probably in 12, 13 rounds when usually I'm playing like 30. Mm. Uh, and then I wind up hitting the fall. The the range that was ne- that was nearest to me that I used to always go to was like was now like an hour away. So I'm trying to find new ranges. Uh, I'm working in Manhattan, so it's like an hour it's an hour ride home. I'm getting home at six o'clock every night. I got to see my girlfriend. I got to make dinner. I got to do all these things. And then of course, uh, Peaky Blinders has been the one thing on my mind for the last two months. Uh, so I'm watching that every freaking day, and I just never got back into like golfing. I would um, practice putting in here every now and then, ever so often, and then. Um, just wasn't able to actually swing. Finally, got, got to a got, got to the range, which is now my permanent uh, place of worship. As of two weeks ago, uh, and everything, like everything, was a snap hook. Mm. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing wrong?" And golf is so immensely frustrating. And obviously, everyone who listens to the show probably knows that, being that you probably do golf. But um, the slightest thing to get me back to hitting it straight was uh, a centimeter to like a quarter of an inch of my front foot just pivoted back a little bit in my stance. And next thing you know, more of that out, more of that into out motion, and all of a sudden you're hitting freaking nukes. And so finally I'm figuring it out. Um, the driver still can't figure its way out whatsoever. Uh, as of right now, I'm blaming the equipment, even though I really shouldn't be. Um, it's the Indian, not the Arrow. But <laughs> that's, that's a different topic for a different day. Um, so tell me, you... The one thing that I noticed in, that I found interesting about your um, your show, your account, is you're a fungo golfer. Oh, yeah. What oh, yeah. the hell and, does that mean? And I claim myself as the world's best fungo golfer, Steve, not just a fungo golfer. So basically, like in college, pitchers are sitting around all the time. Pitchers, you know, they warm up, they sit there, and they do nothing. So I think the Vandy boys were the ones that kind of started it. But what you do is you just get a fungo bat, like the coaches mm-hmm. hit ground balls with. You pick out holes throughout the stadium, and you just say, top of the bleachers, that's a par three. And you go and attack it, and you keep your score. You play with the other pitchers. And keep your eyes out on my TikTok. I'm actually about to start hitting fungo golf real hard. And I want to do it in, like, the middle of the downtown area. Like, I got a fungo bat and, like, this soft kind of rubbery ball. I got a check with law enforcement to see how this will go over but like i want to just be like yo like top of the bank that's our hole part three and like just crush balls down the street and make golf into the world like bring golf into the world you know like so taking that baseball aspect and that golf aspect and making golf accessible to literally anyone at any time and that's kind of my idea so be on the lookout for that and i am the world's best until someone tells me i'm not i've called out Bubby golf a couple times now because he's that baseball golf guy on YouTube, but he doesn't know about me. So we'll see if he ever plays me in a match. Now you're lucky you're a lawyer because you mentioned law enforcement. I think it makes sense that either your law career can very easily go sideways if you manage. <laughs> to, you're aiming for for like like the, the top of, of a building, and all of a sudden you just lace one straight to like a woman's dome. <laughs> yeah, we're like, definitely gonna have to close off streets when we do this, but. I think even if we're at a baseball stadium, we're at a park, yeah. it's just something that I think would be awesome to make golf like into the real world. Um, do, you, do you do you think you have the ability like how um, 
like soccer players do like the bar down challenge or, or like they'll do a, like even like quarterbacks. I think it was like Caleb Williams at USC mm-hmm. did a, uh, a video recently where he was like throwing darts about like 80, 80 yards or so into like trash cans. Do you think confidently you can, you can hit a line drive into like a trash can from like, I don't know, 200, 250 feet away? 250 feet is wild. Um, I mean, baseball though, like, like, if, yeah, if, yeah. If no, average, like, now, granted, you were a pitcher, so it's a little different story, but like, if the average college baseball player can hit a can hit a generic baseball granted with a metal bat about what 380 feet I oh can't, yeah I can't see why you can't hit or hit a rubber, rubber yeah. ball with a fungo bat honestly I'm consistently pretty confident that I could do that like no doubt at least in two swings I'm getting it there um and I think I'm kind of kind of a wizard with the fungo a little bit but you know I don't want to come off too confident too hot early it's my first episode I'm already dropping some really <laughs> big claims early. But um, yeah, I think I'm the world's best fungal golfer, and someone's gonna have to take it. It's okay. Uh, I believe the first 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 episode we ever did. Uh, my friend John told me that he could average ten points per game in the NBA, <laughs> and I, I I turn to him and I go, "What is like? What's your problem?" And he goes, "Well, hypothetically, <laughs> I'm like all right, this is going nowhere." And he goes, "I have the coach's wives' nudes, <laughs> and I blackmail him to facilitate the game plan through me." If I play 35 minutes, just get him the ball. Get I can at ball. least draw 3,000 hit the free throws. I go, you are thinking way too far into this. Yeah, that's wild. Under the complete assumption that, like, I can't even tell you what basketball coach you could possibly uh, <laughs> pawn off. Like, like Greg Popovich's wife. Like, what? Uh, yeah, no, would not, uh, would not fly in the slightest. Anyways, wow. Tangent here. Jake, welcome in. So, Jake will be joining us for the foreseeable future, hopefully for a long, long, long time. Uh, to break down everything in the world of college golf and welcome in not college golf, Jesus Christ. All we can, things golf in we can mix in a little mix in a little college golf. College golf, pro golf, LPGA golf. Obviously, All well, well the one thing that I love though about having a lawyer on the show is we're gonna talk a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about the psychoticness of live golf. And we're gonna get to that on the other side. However, we start our day with what else? The first week of golf on the PGA tour, the century tournament of champions, which by the way. Max Homas said needs a name change. I kind of agree because it might be a mouthful and it really isn't a tournament of champions anymore if players who don't win are a part of it. But regardless, a recap of the week. John Rahm, 10 under par, 64 on the day on a par 73, comes back from seven strokes down. Colin Morikawa bogeys 14, 15, 16, and chokes the century to John Rahm. What do we think of this week? And where does John Rahm now stand after only a week of golf? His first win in the books. I've, I I had a stat here. His last five full field events, I'm pretty sure he's won three of them, and he's been no worse than top five. Um, in his last – all right, here we go. Dating back to – God. Dating back to, to the beginning of the playoffs last year, so last, last August, John Rahm has no finishes worse than top, than top 16. He has eight top tens, seven of which which were top five, and he has three wins. He won the BMW PGA. He won the Spanish Open for the third time, breaking Seve Ballesteros' record, and now has this win in what's usually a top ten field. Top ten field in terms of um, strength every single year, being that it's um, twenty five of the best golfers in the world for the most part. So, what do we make of John Rahm's performance, and should we be concerned at all after one week of Colin Morikawa's bad putter? Yeah, man, he was just consistent all weekend john rom came out scored well was just an awesome prop bet for birdies over i'll tell you that 
Um, and he just he was just consistent all weekend, man. And then he came out on Sunday, bogeyed one, and then just turned it around after that and was birdie opportunity after birdie opportunity, eagle opportunity. And he was just cashing in at a time when he put some pressure on Colin Morikawa and he folded. And I, I love Morikawa. I think he played great this weekend, obviously. But when the pressure comes on and you fold and John Ron doesn't fold going into Sunday with really needing a miracle, honestly. I mean, I think we can say that he needed a miracle to even have a chance to win. Oh, yeah. Comes out bogeys one, and then he really needs a big miracle, and he gets that miracle. That's just that's just staying consistent and doing the small things right all day. I, I've been saying this for for months and months and months that John Rom doesn't have the clutch gene, and I got a lot of backlash for this, but it, it's kind of true since dating back to the the U.S. Open two years ago has has only had one pro win, like DP World Tour, PGA Tour, whatever you want to call it. That like that's that's all it's been has been one win. Um, granted, top 10 machine, and he's been able to get there, but mm-hmm. simply has not shown me enough. And yet, over the last month and a half, clearly he listens to the podcast because he knows, oh, yes, Steve's saying this, so I got to turn around. All of a sudden, just comes out and just murders the golf ball. He was, I was looking at, at his stats earlier today. He was first off the tee. He's first around the green. He was third putting, only behind Colin Morikawa and Seamus Power. He was on absolute fire the entire week. The Although the fascinating part, though, was he wasn't hitting fairways, which is a granted not necessarily a, a terrible thing. Because Kapalua is, is a it's a resort course; it isn't made to be a challenging mm-hmm. um, issue. A lot of guys go there it's more so for the vacation and the congratulations. You get to start one week earlier than everyone else, but it's a it's still a fascinating development for someone like John Rahm that in a month's time, two months' time, we've seen this almost meteor turnaround from. The guy who was number one in the world and was getting odds just about every single week, that was like Tiger Woods-esque plus 400, plus 500, to then losing the Patrick Cantley in the um, tour final. Kind of didn't fall off the earth, but had a child, almost missed the Masters, played two months of golf where he wasn't really able to find find his swing off the tee. All of a sudden wins the, wins the U.S. Open, and then kind of just, not sputtered, but kind of just kept like a rock and just stayed still and was just top 10, top 10, top 10. And all of a sudden here we are. Um, the bigger concern though, this week, I don't think falls on John Rahm's amazing performance. However, it falls on the fact that Colin Morikawa for the first time in, in, in my lifetime watching him in the three or four years he's been about was last year. The issue was always the putter. He couldn't figure it out. He lost Riviera um, because of the putter. He couldn't figure out anything off. Like on the greens, even around the greens, you would struggle. And for the first three days, he's gaining six strokes putting. And then the final day, five bogeys. And just what happened? Like a final day of just absolute mishaps. And and it wasn't even like it was unlucky putts. Like he was just misreading the green the entire back nine. It was like a, it was like a foreign concept to him, which is which is funny because holes fourteen through sixteen, he had racked up the most birdies the entire week. Almost everybody on an aggregate for three days and all of a sudden just lost lost three strokes there. So we'll see what Colin Borakow is capable of, but I'm a little concerned after that one uh, go at it that we might still need a little bit more before I can start picking Colin every single week, although I must say the ball striking was a show. He was phenomenal. Yeah, it was unreal. And even going deeper into that putting, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he got a new putting coach yeah. this offseason. And, that, and I mean, it showed in those first three rounds. And – I mean, I think he just crumbled on Sunday, man. Like he saw Rom coming up quick and he he started getting nervous. And those greens are wild there. I saw a video of Homa 
um, Max Homa hitting a putt, and it was just like, woo, woo, woo. And like, I mean, sometimes you just can't see it late. And when you're when you're second guessing it, you got no shot. So I think he started second guessing some putts, probably wasn't wasn't trusting his read. And I mean, being the best putter in the world, if you don't trust your read, you're not gonna do anything. So I yeah, think it, I think he just lost it there. No, it, it, it's kind of like the old saying of like you either fall in love with the line or the pace, but you like just can't figure out the other one. Um, and I mean, it happens to us all the time as as generic uh, casual golfers. But even for the pros, like putting on some of these greens, I've I've played on some professional golf courses in the past, and I played um, at, at my friend John's uh, Southampton. I may or may not have snuck on and played a couple of holes at, holes at Chinnacock once. Like these greens are ludicrously tough. I played Beth Page Black. Um, it's shocking how some of these players are able to even get it so close. Where uh, and I pride myself on being pretty good at reading greens. Um, typically, I don't have a problem with it, uh, and yet things just kind of just crumbled for Colin Morikawa. Um, but however, there were a lot of guys who actually did show out, and a lot of surprises, and a lot of upsets that we had on top of Colin's crumble. I want to kind of get your thoughts here on the. The overall opening week, who were some surprises, who were some letdowns? Were there anything that you found um, interesting, suspicious, or uh, fascinating from this week that we could now carry out as a precursor to the rest of the year? Yeah, to begin, I'll double hit on Colin Morikawa. I think I was pretty surprised that he came out as hot as he did. You know, we had some struggles late last year. He wasn't the Colin Morikawa that we knew he could be. Um, and then he just came out on fire those first three days. Um as we said, he he did fall apart there late, but I think there's a lot of good to see in Morikawa, and and I think he's a pretty good pick going forward if he doesn't just crumble on Sundays. We're gonna have to see him kind of work through that, work through something maybe mentally. Um, but I think Morikawa really surprised me, and then Zalatoris really surprised me a little bit too. I wasn't really sure what he's gonna do with that back if if he was gonna be able to swing, if he's gonna be the Zalatoris we know, and I think he had a T10. Um, this weekend and just to see that was awesome, man. Just to see him coming back and and being ready to go and, and swinging hard like we've seen Will do, I thought was pretty big surprise, but an awesome surprise to see. So I laid down a, uh, a six leg parlay on Sunday that I thought I was going to nail, uh, and this is kind of the backbone of my surprise here. Um, Sun J M, who started out top five, managed to fall all the way back down to thirteenth, finished at nineteen under, finished at three under for the day. I believe he was at like six under at his apex uh, for the day. Jordan Spieth, somebody who has a incredible history here and was for for a quick for a quick moment uh, top three in the top three on the leaderboard, also fell down to thirteenth. He finished at he finished uh, nineteen up nineteen under for the week. Yep. Um, Justin Thomas again, someone who I picked, picked to, to win as one of my four picks last week. If you remember, I took John Rahm to Justin Thomas to Xander Shoffley, who also just withdrew. For we're gonna actually we we have to, to talk that in a hot second, but Shoffley withdrew. Uh, I thought JT was going to be a shoe-in, someone who needs to prove himself, has, hasn't had a win on tour since uh, winning the PGA, Get came out and kind of just sputtered the first couple of days. And then, honestly, my my biggest surprise was two guys who I was really high on to begin the year and I thought would, would make a splash this week and would carry over to a few weeks following was Sam Burns and Sahith Tagala. Tagala was in a interesting predicament because he falls under the new PGA Tour rules where – just because you don't have a win does not exclude you from uh, the tournament champions. If you made the um, the tour final, the tour, tour, tour championship, you were in uh, this week. So he made it. As somebody who 
like Tom Kim, had one of the shortest rookie years ever, technically. Uh, if you want to actually consider um, like time allotted as a measurement for your rookie year, he was only a rookie for about three months, considering he was a, uh, a exemption for about half the year, and then, and then got his card at, 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 after his first win. I think it's only a matter of time that he shows out, but finishing 33rd out of what, 38 people in the field was kind of a letdown for me. Same with Sam Burns, someone who usually puts really well on these greens, and he's known as Bermuda Burns for a reason, uh, and the, the Bermuda grass just simply uh, didn't cooperate with him. Speaking of which, also, we need to acknowledge how good Tom Kim is and how much, I'm, how, how much I may have to just I, – I was talking to a friend of mine who works the golf channel. At what point do I stop picking Tom, Tom Kim to just win every event? Because I feel like I'm, it's going to be a donation to every sports book on the planet. But at some point, it's like it's going to hit at some point. Yeah, it's going to pay off. So, He's, like, where do we see Tom Kim here in this equation being that he'll probably always hit for a top 20 at this point. Um, the meteoric rise probably next to what Tiger Woods was when he was a kid. Um, not to the level, of course, because Kim's like 20, 20. I think he's 20. And and by 20 years old, I'm pretty sure Tiger ha- had three majors already. So... But regardless, like a meteoric rise, like where do we see Tom Kim? Like when, when's that first one going to come? Yeah, he's just, you know, he just doesn't find a golf course that he doesn't like. You know, yeah. he's just, he's just so positive. Just seeing this guy go out there every single week, ever since the President's Cup. And he's just a positive guy. You know, you, you like out there, he's smiling, he's hitting the ball, he's striking the ball well, he's smiling, he's rolling putts, he's smiling. And it's just, I mean, that that's contagious into your golf swing. Like that, that happiness and that positivity is going to show up in his swing. And that's why he's just so consistent, you know? Exactly. And, and I think that's such a good pick. I, I might be doing that too. I'm just going to start putting money down on Tom Kim to win every single week and, and let that happen. And eventually it'll pay it off. But for a little bit, it's going to be a donation until they got to pay it all back. I, I mean, he's going to be B plus a thousand to win every event anyways. So you might as well put the $2 down and, when you're 50 and kind of just exactly. move on and, 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 and like see where things go. But Tom Kim's also in the elite group of golfers that, well, not necessarily the, the elite group, uh, but the grouping of golfers over, over the last two weeks, they have a lot of gear changes uh, to their repertoire this week. Obviously Tom Kim not changing clubs per se. I believe he's a, I want to say he's a club free agent. Um, however, he did just, he did sign a apparel deal last week with Nike. We talked about it on the show with KB last week. I was like, yo, at some point, this guy's got to get signed. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it's going to be to. It's probably going to be be to a Nike if he gets a golf club deal, wherever it's going to be. He strikes me as a Titleist guy. I feel like that would definitely be his brand. That or like Ping. Ping yeah. Ping fits. He's not like a Callaway guy. He's not a TaylorMade guy. Tom Kim is Nike Tom and either Titleist or Callaway Tom, no doubt. I'm actually curious now what he what he swings. Um, what does he play with? Or he he's the kind of guy who probably plays like Hanma. Yeah, like, like something crazy. Something crazy has the club. Let me see here. Um, according to here, all right. Oh, I was. Oh, actually, you know what? He has a pretty, uh, pretty diverse bag. So he, so he uses a. This is as of um, the Wyndham. Obviously, this was six months ago, so it's been a bit. Uh, but he uses a Titleist TSR three. His fairway woods are all Callaway Rogues. Um, he uses a Callaway Apex Hybrid. T200 irons. All right. So, so Titleist Callaway mix. And then he has the Vokey wedges and then he uses, and then a Scotty. So 
relatively uh, diverse. Wouldn't think of him though as a Callaway guy, but uh, yeah, me neither. That's a problem. Certainly a Titleist guy at some point in his career, and I feel like it'll. Uh, now that Patrick Cantlay is gone, you might see him uh, jump into the fold. We'll see how, how that one goes. Uh, but plenty of gear changes across the PGA Tour. Uh, we talked about this uh, off the show. Gary Woodland changed over for, over from from Wilson over to Cobra. Um, I believe Bryson DeChambeau is still a member of Cobra, but we don't really know much about those uh, those live guys quite yet. Um, Kevin Kisner and Trey Mullinax switched, switched over to Wilson as Woodland uh, jumped off the train. And then, of course, Patrick Cantlay uh, has, has officially hit the free agency market, dropping Titleist. Uh, probably because they saw that cookout outfit and they might have been like, eh, we're a little scared. Then again, I'm surprised Hugo Boss hasn't hasn't uh, dropped him yet. But what do we make of these gear changes? What do you think uh, are any other, any other moves we, we might see? I believe there was a, a little more uh, movement recently that I totally missed. Um, but somebody else signed somewhere else uh, recently. But what do you make of the what do you make of the gear changes? And, and do we think it's going to really do anything for these guys' games? Yeah, I mean, these gear changes, I think, are going to ramp up to another whole level. I don't see, especially with these purses continuing to go up, I don't see anyone doing club deals at all. Um, when when there's a putt or a chip to separate you from winning $2.8 million or $2 million, you're not going to risk an $100,000 club deal to be missing that putt because you don't or that be missing that chip because you don't have the gear you want um i i don't think apparel really makes a difference for these guys for the right price they'll wear anything mm-hmm. patrick Cantley wears those accounting firms on his head all the time <laughs> um like they'll, they'll literally wear anything and then as far as um kisner leaving callaway i thought that was pretty surprising that one shocked me a little bit i thought he was kind of their guy um but i mean you just never know man th- there's a whole new world of sponsorships and i don't i just don't think these companies are going to be spending the money on these guys when it's just not a guaranteed showing you got to really bet on your guy making it to saturday or sunday and getting a lot of tv time to where if they don't you're just not getting the return on investment that you're looking for yeah i think i think it's going to definitely switch up a little bit and then i mean create a player cantley this weekend i thought was awesome he was just wearing that blacked out shirt with with no logos anywhere and he's just he's just ready to get dropped some bands to where whatever accounting firm or uh, orthodontist office offers him some money next week probably probably the best brand deal i guess you could say in golf in my opinion is still cameron young sporting the mlb logo um did you know that for for a while I, this changes at some point but if you wore the mlb logo you would get free tickets to any stadium in the country no way. Any MILB, any MLB, anything you wanted to go to, you would get tickets for it. That's crazy. I just kind of lit that. for someone like like Cameron Young. I feel like he's definitely a baseball kind of guy. He's definitely backwards country um, from upstate New York. I actually went to one, not really a rival, but um, one of the Catholic schools on in the city with the Fordham Prep. Um, okay. My high school was a rival of theirs, at least like in, in some sports. I'm not really sure golf, but he was a stud uh, back in the day. But between the MLB logo and I gotta think of like the other the other classic uh, brand deals that that like are really funny. I, I love how everyone's like sponsored by like a like a jetline company. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the golden one may actually be the funniest one for one for, for Patrick Cantley because he he even looks like an accountant. Yeah, like <laughs> he's so unassuming too when you look at him, and then he goes out there and just smashes the golf ball. 
Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll wear anything for the right price. I, I heard a great story once um, from my uncle's. He's my he's he's technically my uncle, uh, but he isn't my uncle by by blood. It's the marriage. But um, my uncle Vince used to play baseball for the uh, Houston Astros, and uh, I used to go to this place, this campground in Connecticut. And every single day at two o'clock, they would have adult softball. And so you you show up, you have captains, you pick teams, and, and you just play seven innings. And uh, my uncle Vince showed up in Sperry's, a Vineyard Vines button down, and some khakis. And at, totally unassuming. No one was like, oh, yeah. He was the last person picked. He showed up with this old raggedy glove, which, which he had actually since he was an Astro, like 10 years, 10, 15 years prior. Uh, he's the last guy batting, and when you go to these these softball games, um, it's pick order that you bat, or like or, or positional order. So he was just sitting out in left field where he played uh, pro ball for like three or four years. It wasn't like, he wasn't like huge, um, and uh, he comes comes up, up to bat, and the left field wall there there really isn't a wall. It's kind of just like a big like square grass patch, but there's like a there's like a fence to divide. The field technically from the other like campsites, so 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 that the ball doesn't hit it, which is about like three hundred feet, I'd say. Uh, hits a nuke about four hundred fifty feet, way into way into the trees. Could not find it. Somewhere gone. Everyone's like mounts on the floor. That's Patrick Cantlay. If he was like a typical accountant, shows up to the like company golf outing and just starts mashing three sixty to down the fairway. It just it, it makes absolute sense. We're going to talk more about the uh, the gear changes and why we believe that the golf club deal might, 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 might maybe turning a little obsolete at least for now. On the other side here, you're listening to the Get in the Hole podcast. Steve and Jake, right here. Do not go anywhere. Just a reminder, everybody: the most effective and direct way to support the Get in the Hole podcast and Underground Sports Philadelphia is by getting your merch. That's right. Get your merch. PHI Apparel Company is our official merch provider, and they are providing our listeners with the most unique and unbelievable designs for the great fans of the sport of golf and for our Philadelphia brethren, the great fans of Philly as well. Getting the whole podcast merch is officially on their website, so you can go to the Underground Sports Philadelphia tab where all of our podcast merch is available, and that is the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia and with the Get in the Hole podcast. So go to phiapparel.co, and when you go to check out, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off. That's how they know we sent you guys there, how they know you're coming from the Get in the Hole podcast from Underground Sports Philadelphia. Get your merch, phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND, and you get 10% off any merch order from our friends at PHI Apparel Company. Now, let's get back into the Get in the Hole podcast. Welcome back to the Get in the Hole podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ties Baseball Tees. Ties Baseball Tees is the online t-shirt shop that is all baseball. With over 30 original designs from straight out of the bullpen to strikeouts are fascist. Ties Baseball Tees is the place for top quality baseball merch for the baseball enthusiast. Get your tea now at TiesBaseballTees.com and get 10% off your purchase with discount code PITCH10. That's P-I-T-C-H-10. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram at TiesBaseballTees. Jake and Steve here. Let's talk more about club sponsorships, especially full bag deals and why they're becoming obsolete. 
What do you think, Steve? Do you think we've seen the end of full bag club deals as we know it? You know, I think you brought up a good point on the other side. I think it isn't necessarily a matter of the um, the club deals getting obsolete. I think the more interesting thing thing is, and it's, this, this is a two-prong. Uh, one, the apparel deal is becoming more important, I would actually say. And then two, it's the people that are now getting the club deals that I think matter even more. So part one here on the apparel side, take someone like Kevin Kisner, right, or who – um, wore Callaway. Then you take someone like Gary Woodland, who wore Wilson very clearly, the red hat with a big giant, uh, like baseball, like script lettering that you always saw. It struck me more when you see a player wearing a logo rather than playing a logo. That kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, I, I can't tell you when someone's putting, oh, he's playing with a Scotty or he's playing with a a triple track or a spider like the putters are probably actually the worst example that I can give you because those are clearly the easiest ones to spot, but you're swinging a black carbon fiber driver. I can't tell you if it's Cobra, if it's tight, if it's tailor-made or if it's Titleist. I really don't know, nor do, nor do I really care. Uh, if the ball goes 80,000 feet, that's great. That's all, all I really want to say. Um, so I think what, like in that regard, I think the apparel deal is actually even more important here. And, Patrick Kelly never even wore Titleist to begin with. He, he had obviously the the Marcus by Golden by Goldman uh, hat on. He would wear his Hugo Boss apparel. So like for him, it doesn't really matter. But someone like Kevin Kisner, who who would wear Callaway, and you'd always see him in the Callaway hat with a little Rogue side, or um, even now the new wave of, of hats literally just advertise Callaway Rogue, uh, and eventually the Paradigm now as it comes out is literally will just drape you across the top of the head. Those are where it really stands out because I now know like oh. Just, Justin Thomas wears Titleist. I'm now more inclined to literally wear a Titleist hat because I wear Titleist. Um, I like the golf clubs. I, I play the ball. I mean, the ball is, is also a whole different thing. I'm not good enough to even control spin uh, to even care. But, like, I swing Titleist a- AP1s. Uh, I naturally will wear Titleist hats because it's because it's the brand that I wear. Granted, they own FootJoy. Am I going to wear FootJoy all the time? Probably not. I, I wear Polo, but still, it's a different story for another day. But if a guy is going to wear Callaway Polos and Callaway pants and Callaway hats, it's a whole different story. Or the guys the guys that are wearing FootJoy shoes, you can very clear, clearly tell who's wearing what. Or Jordan Speed being draped in Under Armour. You know exactly what he's repping. But if Jordan Speed goes out there and swing Callaway clubs all of a sudden, I, I would not be able – I wouldn't be the wiser. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, unless they have literally the logo on their hat or on their shirt, I think it's those logos that matter even more. As now the other side of things. I saw Daniel Rappaport talk about it on the four-play pod for, for Barstool. He said exactly what you said, how you have to now rely on your players to make the weekend and play well. And you think they take like good, good, right? Just sign with Callaway. I would much rather sign with Callaway to get this 16 to 30 demographic rather than having to rely on the 130th ranked golfer in the, in the world to somehow make you the weekend when he's playing in the in, in the memorial and he's 18 strokes back of Jordan Spieth. Like like what's the good in that for you as a brand? So it, it really if you aren't one of the one of those top 50 guys who's consistently top 20 or at least making the cut, you really don't hold value to the value to these brands and I would much rather get the YouTube following that like good good has or really any um any content creator in the space, even someone like you and I, like being able to have a podcast where you can now be, where you can now sponsor a show or a account like um, 
all these like trick shot guys are, are, are like getting into it, or like world long drive guys with quote TikToks. Those are the guys that that that, that they're going after, and it's pretty clear um, with the Patrick Cantlay deal that even though Cantlay's huge, we're not really worth you like. Is it is it worth us having a full bag thing when it's only ever going to show up on his bag because you never see his clubs? Yeah, I think you're totally right on the apparel side, especially and the club side, but just starting with the apparel side as well. You see that no matter what you're going to yeah. see either on their Instagram or even, especially when they're out there, like those logos are plastered. But if you're not like a crazy golf enthusiast, you're not gonna be able to tell the stealth two really versus the Callaway rogue max driver. Like there's just no way they're swinging it too fast. They're getting a nine second clip when they tee off. Like you're not, you're not getting your return on investment at all. But these good, good guys, they'll film a video and like very specifically show you in their lab hitting the ball. Like I'm swinging the Callaway XXX, whatever club, you know, and it's just so much easier. And there's so much less risk for these companies to, to use these creators because they know what they're getting. It's a consistent audience. They know exactly who's going to be seeing it pretty much all the time. They're getting well over the views that you would get potentially at a PGA tour match, unless your guy wins, you know, but even if your guy wins, you're still only getting those short highlights. You can't see what club they're using and they're yeah. not saying, Oh, I'm a Callaway driver and I won this, but you know, who might be doing that is a club Instagram page who says what they play, but you might as well sponsor that Instagram page instead. Cause they, they have all the control of who sees that, you know? And then also on the other side for the players, like, I think I talked about it a little bit earlier, but, if the purse is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, like it is now with this competition between live and PGA, I'm not going to be risking not playing the clubs I want. Cause I have to play all the same clubs for one bag. You talked about Tom Kim's bag being diverse. Like there's a reason why he uses Callaway irons and, and Vokey wedges, you know, like th those work for him. If he gets in a Sunday, he wants that Vokey wedge in his bag. He doesn't want a jaws wedge in his bag. You know, so, but if he was locked into Callaway, he would 100% have to have a Jaws wedge. Yeah. So, like, it, it's great for both sides right now. The, the companies get what they need in terms of viewership and marketing, and the guys, it, it frees them up a little bit to to just use some clubs here and there and really hit hard on these apparel deals. I think one thing, though, that does kind of stand out is that it's a – I hear. So, for example, I mean, it isn't a perfect example to a degree, but – Back, I think it was like a year and a half ago, when Brooks Kepka signed a Strixon, he also opted to use Cleveland wedges. Now, Cleveland actually did wind up getting bought. Um, actually, Slosinger, who technically owns Strixon, also bought Cleveland. So in that case, like, yeah, it, it kind of works out. But even the guys who – like, th there are some players who will always constantly go through um, the club changes. Like, Justin Thomas this week switched out from the brand-new Scotty to the one that he putted with in, like, 10th grade. Like those things also come into play, and I feel like if guys want to move to the trusty putter that, that they've always had, like even for me, right? I've got a um, a spider, but my old putter, which which is my grandpa's from the 1980s, is a is like the very first edition uh, Callaway like white hot. If I if I, if I was a pro golfer, why would I handicap myself to have to utilize certain clubs? Although I'm sure there are possibilities of club deals where. You can be like, look, I will use your driver, your irons, your putter, but I like need these wedges because they're the best that I have. Mm -hmm. um, like as of late, I know a lot of guys have been switching over to like Mizuno uh, wedges because they're that because they're simply that good. 
Uh, I know obviously there are certain brands that they would never allow it to happen. Like you can't really be sporting TaylorMade and then be like, yo, but like I need, I need Vogies. Like no, mm-hmm. that would never fly. Never. But if you go from a, let's say I'm going to rock, rock all titleists, but I need like a Mizuno or I need uh, like a like Ben Hogan or Tommy Armour, whatever the hell you want to use. Uh, I feel like those could possibly m- make their way. I also do think like the, like the disparity between the apparel, the club and the ball um, are all there are all wildly different. Like, I think, uh, well, like Tiger uses a Bridgestone ball, rocks Nike, and then plays um, TaylorMade. Could wear a t- TaylorMade hat. No, he's going to sport the classic Nike just because he's been around forever. Granted, also, he he was like Brooks Koepka in the, in the field where everyone had Nike clubs at that point. So once they kind of went defunct, it was always a matter of, all right, where do I go now? But even going back to the idea of like, like obsoleteness, right? Let's say you're a casual golfer, and, and I'm just kind of thinking like out loud here. You look at, at the top 15 golfers in the world, and I, and I, I, could, I could probably bring Kyle on to as someone who doesn't who like doesn't totally know golf to discuss this. But like, as the casual golfer, do you know what clubs Roy McIlroy plays because he doesn't show it on on his gear? Do you know what? I can't even tell you honestly what Scotty Scheffler plays. I'm going to assume Titleist. I think I could, I could very well be wrong. Uh, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, Obviously, out there. John Rahm, he wears it on his head. That makes sense. Shoffley wears it on his head. That, like, that's true, too. Zalatoris, Thomas. Like, Matt Fitzpatrick, I would not be able to tell you whatsoever what he plays. No idea. Uh, the Literally only thing no that, idea. The only thing that I know he wears is joggers and sketchers. And he's a U.S. Open winner. Yeah. So like, it's crazy. So, like, like th- that idea. Like, Victor Hovland. Granted, yeah, yeah, we all know he uses ping. But outside, like... Outside of me seeing it on his hat, I would never guess ever. Yeah. Um, so like it's 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 stuff like that. Like Tony Finau, you wouldn't know. Sam Burns, you wouldn't know. Tom Kim, obviously, you you still have no idea, even if you did did have a brand. Um, Spieth, you can't tell. Homa, you can because the Titleist. It's stuff like that. So just kind of regurgitating exactly um, what I was saying uh, on that end. Changing gears though, I uh, have to discuss your law background now while I have you here, and while I'm going to have you here for the foreseeable future. Uh, let's talk live golf. Um, I saw on Instagram, I think over the weekend that apparently Rory McIlroy has been subpoenaed to get deposed by live golf. You've done research. Apparently the live uh, lawyer is a psychopath. Break down this entire thing for the, uh, for the, for the naive casual golf fan that I am who knows nothing about what's going on in these lawsuits. And where do we kind of stand now with the whole Rory being deposed thing? What does that mean? Yeah, so before I jump into any law things, just for the bar and for my future job, I'm not a lawyer yet. I am just talking about the law, and I'm still in law school. So I, 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 I love how how all of you guys say the same thing. I asked my my one of my my best friends who's in his third year of law school. I go, hey, could you like tell me tell me about X, Y, and Z? He goes, oh yeah, X, Y, Z. But just so you know, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, and I'm not giving any legal advice right now. I'm just saying what I would do as a lay person who just happens to read law textbooks every day. <laughs> For a little. Um, so basically what we got here is an antitrust lawsuit. Essentially, Liv is saying that the PGA has a monopoly over golf and by banning their guys from playing on the PGA Tour, their guys being the Live guys, they are monopolizing golf. And in, in big law school terms, these antitrust merits, as they say, the judges should look at this case very narrowly and just decide, 
is there freedom of contract? Is there freedom to do what they need to do? And is the PGA making it impossible to play golf anywhere else? Um, and what it, what it's essentially going to come down to is they're both going to bring in their expert witnesses. They're both going to pay people a gazillion dollars to come in and give their opinions. And you just got to decide, is there a market outside of the PGA Tour? Because if there's not, then they have monopoly. But if there is a market, then they don't have monopoly, which is the side I'm on. I don't think the PGA Tour at all is monopolizing golf. And the big thing that I think the PGA Tour we need to argue is they don't even have control of the top four tournaments in golf. You know, like other than the PGA Championship, they don't control the Masters. We saw that now. The Masters is doing literally whatever they want, just like they always will. They don't control the Open. They don't control the U.S. Open. Um, like, so how can they monopolize a sport if they don't control the Super Bowl of that sport, you know? And I think that's something that they're going to have to argue. And then also that these live guys and these guys that left knew the contract they were signing when they signed this contract with the PGA. They knew if they left and played on this tour, they wouldn't be able to play. That's, that's freedom of contract. That's freedom of the ability to, to run your company the way you want to run your company. These guys they don't work for the PGA. They're independent contractors. They're hired out as independent contractors who come in and they play to win this money. And so the PGA has rules. And one of those rules is if you go play for live, you're not allowed to play in the PGA tour. So, so go make your money on live, go make your Saudi backed, whatever money we want to talk about. And if I'm not letting it off enough, I am not a live tour fan at all, which honestly, like, I should be, but the traditionalists in me just won't let me be. Like, I think it's kind of cool that they go and do this stuff and it's just different, but I'm never going to say that again. I'm not a live guy. I can't stand live. Can't stand Bryson DeChambeau. I can't stand Cam Smith. I can't stand all those guys. And so we might disagree on that, but the traditionalists in me is just PGA. They are the true, the true and steady. And, and I just don't think there's any case here. And just, Again, touching on that attorney that is bringing these cases. His name is Larry Claymar. I'm pretty sure is how you say his last name. And he is just a shark in the legal world. He There's there's this quote about him suing his mother. I don't know if that's true at all, but but he he is bound to sue anyone. And he's just this angry guy. Um, he actually represented Patrick Reed in his... Um, in that case of slander against like Brandley Chambly and the PGA. Oh, of course. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's been missed that. nine times over. They keep rebringing it. Patrick Reed doesn't like when people have bad opinions about him. And I wrote a blog the other day where I said, if you're going to depose our King Tiger Woods, then you ask golf facts or what's that stupid account that his wife tweets from at, it's oh, like at um, golf facts or something. I said, yeah, they have yeah. to depose too. And we have to reveal who that is. Um, so I'm obviously funny. team PGA here. But yeah, that, that's pretty much it. It comes down to, is there a market outside of the PGA for sure? Hold on. So who's this live lawyer again? What's his name? Larry Claymar. K-L-A-Y-M-A-R. I got to find. Clayman. Clayman. Sorry. K-L- yeah. K-L-A-Y-M-A-N. All right. Larry Clayman, American attorney, right wing activist, former Justice Department prosecutor. Love that. Uh, I'm now curious about everything about him. Um, oh, here we are. All right. Filed upwards of 27 lawsuits against the Clinton administration, which led him to be called Clinton nemesis. <laughs> Filed a number of lawsuits against political figures and government, government agencies. Um, 
His goal is initiating the lawsuit is often to obtain information through a discovery process rather than to actually win the lawsuit. I love this. Wow. Yeah, he, he's just a shark, man. He's a shark and he's out for some blood right now. And that Saudi-backed money is making him real thirsty, for oh, sure. I, and I'm I, sure. I, I mean, he's probably he's probably making uh, at least... What, $500 million, probably? Oh, he's getting a bag, a bag and a half for this. He he wants this to go on for as long as possible. And these, these antitrust cases, even outside of the PGA, are never short because there's just so much you have to peel through. They'll, he'll be making money hand over fist from the Saudis for the next five, six, seven years, for sure. In 1990, uh, Clayman deposed several White House officials and at the time, George Stephanopoulos about a traffic ticket. Dude, he's, yeah, he's wild. <laughs> He's wild. I said he sued his own mother. They said he sued his own mother. So, I mean, if he's doing that, there's nothing that's stopping him for sure. He sued Obama. He sued the Bidens. He sued basically every every Democrat uh, to enter office in the last 20 years. He's he's, uh, he's filed some sort of thing. Oh, yes. Oh, wait. It says right here in 2001, he filed a lawsuit against his own mother. <laughs> what I the hell it. is this? I knew it. The guy's wild. Oh my God! Sued his mother for fifty thousand dollars for the reimbursement for medical for medical care provided to his maternal grandmother. Defended his actions crazy. in an interview with ABC News and said that it was essentially a case against my stepfather and that he, uh, he that he named his mother because legally she was next of kin. <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, he 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 is definitely a character, and there's just he he is lives guy for sure. So where does Roy McIlroy though play? play into this being that they're trying to, to are, are they trying to depose him and tiger to try and just pry information yeah they, they know rory and tiger are the kings of the pga tour right now they're in rory and tiger are in those special rooms to where they're having real conversation to where the public ain't hearing about it and if they get rory and tiger on a stand and start asking questions they, they kind of have to talk at least a little bit yeah, And I mean, the PGA tour right now, if Tiger wants it done, it's going to happen. We saw that. We saw that last year. We saw that the previous year. Tiger has a pretty, pretty strong fingerprint on the tour. So, so these live, these live attorneys and they live, these live guys know that he has a lot of facts that could help their case. If, if those, if those facts exist, we don't know if those facts exist, but if they do exist, Rory and Tiger are going to know about them. To try and I mean, now I studied management and business and business in college, and one of the things the things we always talked about, especially for for me as a sports guy, was unionizing. And I don't know if it's worthwhile for the PGA Tour at this point to try and avoid anything just to unionize their own staff and try and bring on these current uh, ICs and mm-hmm. of course obviously everyone who's playing and try and create a golf union. But if they do create a union, would that try and would that possibly help their case and say, hey, we're trying to actually like like bring legality to this and actually make like binding contracts for everybody and they can sign with whatever or does it, it kind of seems unfeasible being that there's no like teams you can join yeah i just don't see it being possible as well because they're not they're not going to pay out contracts to these guys to where they're just making money to show up um but so and and they are kind of actually doing that a little bit now yeah. that i say that but they're not going to pay it's not like a basketball contract to where you're getting this guaranteed money just to be here because that's not how golf works. That's not how golf payouts work. And so I don't, I don't see that being feasible at all. And I don't even know if that would really protect against what Liv is saying. Cause I think that would actually make it more exclusive just on my first thought. Yeah. Um, and it would really exclude those guys. And that's what a monopoly comes down to the right to exclude and 
and forcing people out and or forcing people to stay in because you're the only people that can do it. Like I'm trying to think of a really easy, simple example. So like going back way back in time, like Teddy Roosevelt, um, like the railroads or the steel, like they were the only people that yeah. could do that. But, but that's not, that's not happening here. Liv is running their own tour and there's money in there and they're making more money than these guys in the PGA. So there's no monopoly being done by the PGA in, in my opinion. It also very clearly appeared that once Liv was founded, that there was no longer any monopolization at all. And unless they're trying to, and this could be a, something that I don't even know about. Are you able to predate a lawsuit to be like, oh, well, prior to us starting, they were doing this illegally. Is that like a possibility? I'm sure they could bring it into the lawsuit, but they're going to ruin their own lawsuit because they broke up the monopoly on their own. They came in and busted the monopoly open. King, King, uh, Craig Norman came in and busted up the monopoly. So he's the savior of golf. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what we're seeing here. Greg Norman, the elite, uh, trust buster. It's like the, uh, exactly. It's basically, it's basically Teddy Roosevelt 2.0. Exactly. Oh my goodness. That's, All a, right. meme. Well, you know what? that's a meme right there. Greg Norman's face on Teddy Roosevelt riding a horse. Oh my God. That's a shirt idea. Yeah, that is. We need that. Ladies and gents, we have our first shirt idea from Jake. All right. Transitioning over, uh, the Sony Open this week tips off, tees off, tips off. It's like basketball season. Uh, tees off on Thursday. As of right now, we got a pretty good picture currently of what the field's going to look like. Hideki Matsuyama will be uh, in the field this week trying to defend his title. One last year in the second second week of the season over Russell Henley in the playoff. You remember that one? Hit a ball into the sun. that looked like it was like 300,000 feet away and wound up like two feet from the hole and Russell Henley uh, basically conceded, found the bunker, uh, and laid up from there. Made his par, and uh, and I think about time I eagled that one to win. Eagle, to, to win the event, something like ridiculous. Uh, but short little preview. If you want to check out the actual um, full breakdown, I did this all last year throughout the entire season. You can go find our episode last year on the Sony Open. I break down everything you need to know. Really, kind of a quick like little breeze over. Uh, and Jake, and anything you want to really add here before we get into um, the bulk of. Our breakdown here, uh, par 71, pretty pr- pretty standard golf course. Uh, as we've made reference to prior to the show, and I'll make reference to it now, and we'll talk about it on the other side here. Um, it's a golf course that you don't have to be the longest player in the world. you got to be a straight player. The rough's pretty penalizing. There's bunkers everywhere. And, of course, it's Hawaii, so, so it's pretty pretty out. It's pretty out there, but the uh, the conditions might not, not, not necessarily be the, uh, the most enticing. Something to look out for. Uh, is that it's a Kevin Kisner course, which means that there are a, a handful of players that we'll be looking at this week that will really be able to make a splash uh, on this course. Jake, is there anything you want to really add to kind of give us just an overall overall breakdown, nothing too uh, too deep in, into this one about the Sony Open this week? For those watching video, you see me smiling here, and it's because my, my big hit is that it's a Kevin Kisner course. Like this is just like the Wyndham Championship, that course where he came out and played electric. And the short course... 7,044 yards. Um, you just got to keep the ball in play. Like you said, the rough is penalizing. But, yeah, it's a Kevin Kisner course. Guys like Kevin Kisner are going to play well here. And our guy, Tom Kim, is going to play well here. I'm saying that now. You're going to hear a lot of Tom Kim in the next about 25 minutes. So don't go anywhere. On the other side here, we're going to give you the absolute best bets of the week. We're going to talk props, and we're going to talk our picks on beer money. Don't go anywhere, folks. To get in the whole podcast, Jake and Steve, right here. The Get in the Hole podcast is brought to you by our fantastic merch partners, PHI Apparel Company, 
PHI Apparel Co. provides designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the world of golf. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd rocking. You're getting the whole podcast official and first edition merch. This is the first time in show history that the Getting the Whole Podcast has had merch, so you don't want to miss out. Our listeners can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co, code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel. Rock that Getting the Whole Podcast merch out in the wild. Send it to us. Tweet at us at getting the whole pod when you're rocking your merch. Big thank you to PHI Apparel Company for being the best merch on the planet. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. It's the Getting the Whole Podcast. Stephen Jake here. For time to break down everything you need to know in the betting world, the circuits, and basically every single market you can think of, we're probably going to hit on it at some point today. It is time to start off with some prop bets for courtesy of our friends over at Pickup. Pickup, play the headline, sign up with your phone number right now at Play Pickup. Now, Jake, I don't know if you know this, but the, but the beauty of Pickup is this. It's a betting market created by fans for fans. There's no money involved unless you really want to uh, wager you can. But you're able to bet based on the percentage of people that are that, that are agreeing with you. Let's say I, I want to throw out, is there going to be a playoff this week? Yes or no? I bet no. 73, 73% of voters bet, vote no. Points gets, get, get broken up from that 70 to 73%. Get put into your account, and you can then redeem that for other gift cards to betting markets. So I, I believe that they're, they're partnered with like, with like Bet, Bet, Bet MGM, FanDuel, DraftKings, or you can redeem it for some prizes. Uh, the cross net volleyball net that's become really positive, but really popular is there. Bat mugs, and I, I know you're a baseball guy, uh, those are also available, and then a bunch of other uh, fun prizes. So go play at Play Pickup right now. We're going to kind of shake things up, up a little bit. We usually do, I, I usually give out uh, three or four profits, and then we kind of debate them. However, as two gentlemen who are uh, who are well uh, immersed in the golf game, we kind of have our own prop bets we're going to be putting out. And, of course, you can bet these online at Play Pickup as well. So, Jake, I'll start with you. Give me a couple of prop bets you're looking at, at this week. Could, again, literally be anything uh, because, after all, we are making these up on the fly on our own. Could be a matchup play. Could be a playoff play. I saw – I did see a bet on one sports book that's green. Uh, is there going to be an albatross this week? It's like plus 3,000. Wow. Don't know if that will ever happen. Um, but there are some things that out there. However, pickup is going to have everything you need. So what do you got this week? Yeah. So my first one is a little bit of a wild one, but I'll explain it after I say it. Tom Hoagie over under four and a half strokes on hole one. <laughs> are, are, are you saying first round or like, the, or like no, like first the hole, week? first hole, just first hole of the night, first hole of the day, hole one. And the reasoning behind that is our guy, Tom Hoagie, TCU guy. Is has flown now to the national championship from Hawaii, is at the national championship, I'm sure is getting plastered at the national championship. And I'm guessing he could either, one, turn into Superman from the superpowers, whatever he gets from that hangover that he has for two days flying back to Hawaii, or he's going to be absolutely unbearable to watch on a golf course after he burns it down at the national championship, especially... If the Horn Frogs come out on top, I think you hammer that even more. But I'm still Tom Hoagie over four and a half strokes on hole one. I'm smashing the over. The one thing I hate in the state of New York is that you cannot bet 
uh, prop bets of any kind for mm. college sporting events. Um, Stetson Bennett just, just had a 21-yard touchdown on the first drive of the game, 11 minutes down. Georgia's already a 7 nothing. Uh, I actually placed a five-leg parlay. I'm not going to share the uh, the details of this parlay because I'm a firm believer of if I tell you, I lose. Oh, yeah. Um, however, this Georgia first touchdown does, in fact, um, help me out a ton. Um, my first bet is going to actually be pretty simple, pretty straight up. Uh, in the history of the Sony Open, there have been six playoffs. The, the, the events have played only eight times. Where am I going? Wow. We're going to play out this week. Uh, it's it's like plus 300 on most sports books. I think you can get it as good as like plus 400. Um, so I am a thousand percent going for a playoff this week. Again, we saw it last year. Matsuyama and Henley played the 18th hole, uh, I believe twice. I think I think it was, or I don't know, might, might be the first hole. It could be very wrong. Uh, but there have been plenty of playoffs here in the past. So that would be my first one. What else you got? Yeah, I got Tom Kim and a Jordan Spieth matchup. Uh, as we've said, Tom Kim is our absolute guy. But but that flap shot by Spieth on That's day hot. one was just unreal. And I am on that Spieth train hard right now. I do have to say that I'm going with Tom Kim over Jordan Spieth because I just can't bet against our guy, as we said earlier. But I think that's going to be a really good matchup to watch out for. Uh, I have it, – it's kind of a two-in-one a two in one here, uh, and it's, it's pretty simple. Um, I'm going to go Taylor Montgomery over – Tom Hoagie this week currently is higher on the odds board, but, but Montgomery, a rookie this year, I think he's been he was fantastic in the fall swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and despite Hoagie ha- having a top three this week, um, while yes, Montgomery is higher on the odds board by about three to one, uh, I'm still all in on Montgomery being an absolute stuff this year. I currently have him as my uh, my pick to win rookie of the year. I have a future down already sitting and festering and waiting to get, waiting to waiting to be won. Um, so I'm going to take Montgomery there. And then also I want to take Corey Connors. It's a really, really simple bet and, and kind of a dumb one. Um, you can bet this on the sports books as well. If you are able to actually bet, bet those props, um, but Corey Connors, top Canadian, the guy can't putt for shit, but for some reason he manages to like ball strike his way to top twenties all the time. So it, it, it's like, I, I think I saw it. The best odds was like 15 to nine, which like for reference is like plus two seventy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like the next best guy is McKenzie. Is, is McKenzie Hughes, Hughes, Hughes is way down. I was like plus six thousand to win. I believe uh, Connors is like plus twenty five hundred. So it's a pretty simple bet. Uh, not a lot of money, but again, it's a little bit of uh, pizza and beer money if you want to throw it down. Oh yeah, and I got one more for you. I got the okay. Sunny Open winner over under twenty one and a half under par. So the winner here is always around that. These Hawaii courses, these guys just blow up these scoreboards. It's unreal. Unreal. Last year, Hideki at 23 under, Kevin Na at 21 over or 21 under in 2021. And then in 2020, Cam Smith was actually 11 under, but it was the windiest weekend ever. And so that becomes a pretty big problem. But I would say that we definitely see that people are getting a little bit higher than 21 and a half under par. Yeah, no, the. That's actually a really good look. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I'm trying to think of one more if I can like throw one out. Uh, and honestly, if I was going to do anything, it'd probably just be a it. I could probably I could very well just throw it in our bets. However, I have a very I have a very eclectic um, beer money board uh, this week, and so I'm going to save it. Actually, now you know what? No, I'll, I'll throw it out. Um, Billy Horschel plays this golf course really, really, really well. 
Uh, and I expect at some point this week he will, in fact, drain six birdies. So I'm going to take, take Billy, Horsch, Billy Horschel over under at some point this week, uh, minus six and a half, not minus, six and a half birdies in a round this week. I think that, that's almost a hammer here. Um, the greens aren't as undulated as a Kapalua. Uh, they're a little more um, understandable because this, this is like a, this is like the true resort golf course that won't mm-hmm. cost you four hundred dollars to go play. Uh, so it's one of those things where I might as well go take the the pedestrian golf number where you're where you're practically playing at a muni. So I'm I, I'm gonna roll with Horschel there on that one. Uh, let's move on over. Beer money time brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer, Philadelphia's number one light lager. Jake, did you know? That if at some point you and I manage to find ourselves at the Wells Fargo Center, you can now drink Kenwood beer at a Sixers game, at a Philadelphia Wings game, at a, at a Flyers game. You can now have Kenwood beer. Go online, kenwoodbeer.com. Any purchase you make, 10% off your order. Code USP. Also use that candy tracker to find beer in your location. Jake, we're going to start off with you. Top 20, your first ever beer money. Don't let us down. Can't let you down. And you just hammered him a little bit. Billy Horschel, top 20 for sure, I think is an easy pick. Guy keeps it in play. These short, tight courses, these these fairways are tight, but our guy, Billy, definitely keeps it in there. And at, at comparable courses like Wyndham, like we talked about those Kevin Kisner-style courses, Billy Horschel has just been on fire, and I think he's a lock in that top 20 spot. Um, I have, a, a, again, like I said, a eclectic board, and I want you to tell me if at some point you start to guess the trend here that I'm going with. Uh, top 20, Kurt Kitayama at plus 240. You can get him at as, as good as about 330 uh, for, for a top 20. Um, again, someone who doesn't hit the ball incredibly far, but he's accurate off the tee. There's something about guys like Kurt Kitayama playing in Hawaii that just simply works as well as everyone else that I'm picking this week. Um, simply just plays well in Hawaii. So I think it's a pretty uh, safe play here. Hits it straight, hits it accurate, uh, and has traditionally been a top 25 player in the world uh, at approach to the green, which is something that's very underrated, uh, considering it's probably the most important stat every single week on tour. Top 10 pick, what do you got? For me, this is more of a, a feeling pick, so I don't have a ton of great stat lines to back it up, but I'm going Cam Davis, T10. And I say that because... He does pound the ball. He does get kind of long sometimes, but he keeps the ball in play. And that, and that's what we're looking for this weekend. These This rough is going to punish you. And if you keep the ball in play, it gives you a really good chance for birdies, a really good chance for eagles. You have to at least birdie these par fives. If you don't birdie the par fives, you have absolutely no shot to be in the top 10. And, and you really should be eagling a lot of them, you know? And, and, and you don't say that often, but, but these courses are short. These courses are very, very gettable. And I think Cam Davis gets a whole lot of birdies this week, so I have him T10. My top 10 pick is the defending champion, Hideki Matsuyama. You can get him as good as 210, which is a ridiculous number for a champion. Um, he's, I think, like fourth or fifth on the odds board, and it's largely because uh, this, this this year, at least in the fall swing, didn't necessarily play his best golf. Um, didn't finish any better than 21st. He finished uh, 25th at the 40 net, 40th at the Zozo after winning uh, the year prior. 34th at the CJ Cup. He withdrew f- from the Houston Open after three rounds uh, at four over. And then at, at, at this past week's century, uh, T21. So hasn't been the best golf in the world, but how could you not get a good number like that on a past champion? It seems like a ridiculous um, slate there. So plus 210 uh, is where I have him. He's like usually hovering around like the 170s or 180s. You probably are going to have to find him at like an offshore. Um, but I got in a little early and I took him at, at 210. So that's who I got. Top five. What, who are you playing? Before I make my top five pick, I'm starting to see your theme as 
let's just say fundamental slow backswinging golfers for sure is I think where you're going. Um, yes, but there's also a, a much simpler characteristic to describe all, all these guys. <laughs> so my top five pick is, and I might be under a spell that flop shot might've just put me into a little bit of a Jordan Spieth coma, but I got Jordan Spieth T5. The guy is on the come up on the comeback and I got Jordan Spieth top five. There's something fascinating to me about taking guys hot. Like golf is so hard to bet on because like you, the guy who wins could be like 40th on the odds board. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, like there was one bet. There, there was one week where like a nearby Lahiri was like the last person on the odds board and he finished like T2. Um, so like, you never really know what's going to happen, but I tend like at this point to get whoever's the best player on the odds board, whoever who Vegas already knows is, knows is going to play well. If I can get a good number for them at a top 10 or, or lower, I'm going to take it. Uh, so number two on the odds board is Sunjay M. Uh, I, I hope at this point you know exactly where I'm rolling here. Um, he's plus 350 for a top five, and it just makes sense. Uh, was projected to be a top five pick last week at, at Kapalua. Fell off on the last day. Was his highest was his, his highest T3 um, out of the 54 holes. So why not get a bounce back, get a get right week here? And he's been pretty good uh, this fall swing. And there's something great about some James game where two years ago he led the PGA Tour in bogeys and birdies. Now he's finally starting to chip down at that bogey number, and it's really because of his approach game and his short game. It's been phenomenal, and I don't think it's going to stop now. So Sanjay M is my guy. Our gimme pick of the week, our best bet, it could be literally any kind of bet you want to make, prop bet or um, or top 10, 20, whatever it is that you want to play. Your absolute best bet, that's a guaranteed hit. What is it? I am smashing Corey Connors' T20. The guy is has finished top 25 in all events since October through the end of the year. And he's just obviously going to be the mix. He's been top 25 in strokes gained of anyone in the field. And and even though he can't putt, he just gets the ball on the green. He's going to make it in. He's not three putting everything. If he gets it there quicker than everyone, he's going to drop the ball in the cup eventually. So I think Corey Connors T20 is an absolute hammer for this weekend. This is a, a great bet because of the fact that I'm actually getting better odds at a worse placement than I am for him to make the cut. Uh, Kita Nakajima, the former world number one amateur, comes into this week playing on the Asian circuit with seven straight top 20s. I'm going to take him even further back and at plus 185, top 40. Wow. Uh, he has better odds for a top 40 th- than he does to make the cut, which is obvious. Um but considering a full field event where top 70 makes it, top 40 is a pretty damn good number here. And plus 185, I think, is a uh, a home run. So that's where I'm going with my it. pick of the week. Winner, winner, chicken, dinner, the casual uh, and classic quote. Where are we getting the money to go out, out for a nice steak dinner? Forget the beer, but I want a steak. Who's, who's, who's going to win it for us? So I think we might actually have the same pick, but my winner this week is Tom Kemp. This guy, yeah, he's, he's just a baller. You know, he's a baller. He he hasn't found a golf course he doesn't like what I said earlier, and, and I could literally care less that this is his first time playing the course. He's going to come out. I'm sure his caddy is already out there walking around, rolling balls, making sure things are rolling the way Tom Kim wants him to, and he's going to come out hot. He He's going to come out. He's going to stripe it and play just like he plays those small Kevin Kisner type courses. And I just think he really excels this weekend. 
So Tom Kim, to give you an idea of where Tom Kim and Kevin Kisner rank amongst each other, um, for all the courses that Kevin Kisner's placed top five, Tom Kim's played better. Granted, that's been like three courses, but like whatever. Um, Tom Kim is better in approach play ever since his time on the Asian circuit. So I'm going to like use like use the last like three years as a example here. Now this is also 17 year old Tom Kim to 20 year old Tom Kim versus like 32 year old Kevin Kisner to 35 at like his prime. Uh, Tom Kim's better than him, him in every stat. Additionally, it took Kevin Kisner longer to get longer to get to, to get to this many wins in his young career than Tom Kim was. And I'm joining you on my quest for Tom Kim to, to get to a win. He's number one on the odds board at plus 1,200 right now. So he's 12 to one. Um, at the beginning, he was edged slightly by Jordan Spieth, but now he's kind of come out, out as the clear winner. Um, he has five top 25s in five weeks this year. Won the Shriners, finished 11th at the CJ, 10th at the Hero, which granted 20-minute field, whatever. Um, was one of five players to go to go all under 70 the entire week at Kapalua, finished T5, uh, and it's a no-brainer. And if you couldn't tell by now, every pick that I had was had was an Asian player. Asians love Hawaii. I don't oh, yeah. know what it is. It's like a business trip. <laughs> they go there, and they are all in on playing in Hawaii. So, so my, I'm hoping my entire Asian board doesn't fail me, um, which also explains why I didn't take take uh, any player for top Asian this week is really um, – I'm in on all of them, um, but I mean, if we're gonna go top Asian, you might as well go uh, Tom Kim there and oh, yeah. Tom Kim top Korean. So there you go. Even though it's probably terrible odds because him and him are way too high uh, on the board. Final thoughts this week, Jake. After our, after your first career show in the underground, what do you think? It's been great. I, I'm just so pumped to be here. I enjoyed every second of this. I just love talking golf. Love talking with you. And my big thing is either hammer Tom Hoagie or completely fade him. Because either TCU is going to bring him some great juju or he's going to be so hungover he can't hit a golf ball. So that's my final thought for you. I want to get one final look here at the scoreboard before I go turn off and go watch the game. Um, 10 nothing Georgia, but TCU is currently marching down the field. They're at the four-yard line. Is Kendry Miller playing tonight? Because if he's not, this is going to be a route. He's not playing. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Not uh, if you're watching this, it, I mean, it's, it's too late. But um, if I could play Max Duggan touchdown, any any time time touchdown, perfect time for this because if it isn't a Kendry Miller run, it's going to be him up the middle. Uh, my final thought, real quick, I just got this in the mail and it looks great on Amazon. Two for one on shoehorns. Oh, let's go! Classic invention, classic invention as well. And I'm very excited to utilize this. My girlfriend opened the box and was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> Was like what, what? What's wrong with you buying a shoehorn? I was like, yeah, it's, it's classy. Keeps it keeps the creasing at, out of my boots. Oh yeah. By the way, Hans, so you went to, to this is a total sidebar before we go here. You went to Wofford. Mm-hmm. Um, did you wear cowboy boots down there? I do. I, I'm a big cowboy boots guy. I hate to say it, and I'm from New York, upstate New York originally. So I, I've been very southernized, and my fiance now has very much southernized me, southern girl. So so I have been completely southern washed, sadly. Whoa, no, don't say that. I, I almost went to the rodeo yesterday at, at MSG. Oh, shoot. Unfortunately, no one wanted to go with me except for my sister. And, oh, I'd uh, go with you. I'd go, no doubt. You know what? The next time the, the next time the, the, the uh, PBR is in town, which also, by the way, I found out, was $5 PBRs. They bought the place out and only sold PBR for the evening. I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I'm all in. 
Anyways, that's going to do it all here. Stephen McAvoy, Jake DeBolt here. His first show at the seat. He'll be joining us again next week for I don't even know what event it is. At this point, it's like the 18th week in a row that I don't know what, what the next event is. But I will promise to do my research and I will figure it out for next week. With that being said, Jake Dippold, we're calling him Dip. I'm Stephen McAvoy. Thank you folks for joining in here on the Get in the Hole podcast. Thanks for listening to Get in the Hole, the official golf podcast of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Catch us every week wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and be sure to like and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Get in the Hole Pod, and follow Underground Sports Philadelphia at Underground PHI. We'll see you next time, and remember, Get in the Hole!